Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson. The no sign of a new manager was 10 days after the season of the podcast. Not ideal, but no need to panic. And I'm joined today by the no director of football one week before the transfer window of the podcast, Jacob Stanbridge. Definitely not ideal. Mild panic is acceptable. <laughs> And finally, they're not having a clue who's going to own Legion United next week of the podcast. He's just as likely to use Ellen Road as collateral as he is to cause mass panic. I'm delighted to say it's Darren Driver. <laughs> Darren, how are you? Now, listen, lads, I am really cross because you told me that we were coming on here to talk about um, Notts County. And I, I realise now that you've brought me on under false pretenses to talk about Legion United. So I'm, I'm, uh, no, it's, re- it's really good to be here. Um, just for anyone that's going, I thought he'd retired and stopped doing this. I have. But what, what I am is a man with integrity. And we did this last at the end of last, at the start of last season. We did the, the review over under podcast. And I'm just making sure that this is boxed off and completed. Right. So don't get your knickers in a twist. I'm not going to be moaning at you week after week i'm just here for today it's lovely to see you jacob lovely to see you tom yeah lovely to see you darren it just yeah it's like i say we'll just close off the season nicely absolutely and then we never have to wait for or see you ever again just mm. yep martin would have a go at me if i didn't ask you what you've eaten today darren so what have you yep. eaten today uh i prepared for this uh i um <laughs> so uh by so, eating yeah by eating <laughs> so uh so i'm uh i'm uh, I don't know whether this is like a, a wanky thing or whatever, but uh, Lauren and I used the Gusto boxes uh, mm. to because because what I like about them, you see, right? I know you all think, oh, that's that's quite uh, lazy or posh or something, <laughs> right? But what I like about them is that there's no waste, right? And I'm quite a frugal man, so although it's a little bit more in the buying stage, per probably per ingredient it's actually cheaper in the it's cheaper in the long run right i know you want to talk about leeds united but i want to talk about re- the economics of recipe boxes uh, because that's infinitely more interesting to me than what's happening at leeds united <laughs> at the moment uh, so i had i had a, a nice gnocchi with uh with tender stem broccoli fine green beans beans trimmed uh, with a with a lemon sauce and a really nice italian hard cheese topping um with a bit of lemon squeezed over the top it's very very tasty thanks Sounds very tasty, but it definitely sounds like the poshest thing we've had when we've I've won. Well, me or Martin have asked this question, mm. but <laughs> does definitely sound good. It was very nice. Jacob Stanbridge, how how have you done today, and how what have you eaten? So, um, in terms of how I am, I wanted us to hark back to the the companion episode we recorded at the start of the season, which I listened back to in prep, and I've got a couple of quotes to pulled through during the episode and uh, Darren introduced me by saying although things change they always stay the same and it, that's very poignant because in that episode I just recovered from a really bad series of back spasms and that's exactly the same now uh-huh. so uh, it's a real nice bookend uh, but but no I, I'm very well and, uh, and I hope you are as well Tom uh, but in terms of food I have uh, prepped for today by doing the classic footballer's diet of like chicken and nothing <laughs> So right, get your protein in. That's yeah. all that matters. I, I have quite had a lot of food as well as chicken, but like it's nothing to be particularly interested in. Nothing as exciting as chicken. No. no. I'd felt quite a warm feeling inside there when you asked me how I was, because no one's done that to me yet. So thanks, Jacob. I really appreciated that. What did I eat today? I had a toaster sandwich for lunch, and then like I think I had mushrooms on toast for breakfast, so not that exciting, but enjoyed it nonetheless. Cool. So we're here to do our season review episode, and... This is like the like the guys say the sort of partner episode to our season preview episode where we do the under and over. 
if you haven't listened to the Under and Over episode, you might find this a bit confusing. But <laughs> the concept is that I asked, well, Darren at the time asked us who a certain some questions and said, is it under or over this thing? And then it gives us a way of getting a broad idea of what, what is going to happen or what has happened in Leeds United season. And just to give us a few talking points, really, rather than just being like, oh, they're going to come here and this is going to be the top scorer. When we went to Arsenal, we lost 4-1. When we went to Bournemouth, we lost 4-1. And we could do that uh, instead. <laughs> we could do that for quite a while, actually. Is, is this the kind of music that you record? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's very sort of uh, monotone and sort of uh, funny haircuts music. <laughs> But yeah, well, that's, we're, that's how we're going to try and make this a bit more interesting for you because the season was overall not very interesting, I thought. Uh, I just I, just before we do get into it, I just want to point out that I've done no research. Um, so I'm, I'm really flying by the seat of my pants today, which is the first time I've ever done that on a podcast for real. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting experiment for me. So <laughs> all right. Don't worry about it. That's what I do every week anyway, and you can clearly tell. I've got in brackets here, and I would like—I did not put this on the running order, but Jacob has wanted it made clear that he's the reigning champion. Me or Darren couldn't care less about beating him, unless we do. <laughs> then we would definitely would mention it every week. <laughs> there was also something that we did on our All Stats on We Discord, so 33 guys played along with the questions that we asked in the original episode. There was also some bonus ones, like where you could predict the thing exactly, uh, but that doesn't count towards the final scores, which we will mention or Jacob will mention at the end of the episode. And just wanted to give a shout out to Paul from the Discord for setting that up for us as well. Yep, thank you very much for that, Paul. So let's get straight into it. So the first question we asked was, will Leeds United be under or over last season's finishing position? So last season, we're actually in that weird region now where it's like last season and you don't know what it's so going th- to so Yeah, this season is still this season because the Champions League final hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and I don't know what I'd say after about last season if last season was this season. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make that clear. So last season was a 17th place finish, just about, on the last day. This season, 19th place finish, so definitely not as good. So the answer for that one is under. Uh, Jacob has kindly got the scores up for us, so I'll ask him as we go who's got what. So Jacob, do you want to reveal what me and Darren did in that one, and yourself? So, uh, unfortunately, none of us got that right. Um, Tom, Tom, you broke the rules of the game by saying the same instead of over-under in the mm. very first question. And yeah. both Darren and I were, were more optimistic and predicted a higher finish than last season. And sadly, we were all wrong. And just to uh, take the piss out of me a bit as well, I quote myself saying that I was sceptical about all three promoted teams uh, staying up. And of course, <laughs> all three of them did. <laughs> So you got off to a good start. I was actually the nearest then, yes. really. So, I, so I've done the best so far, even though I've got no points to show. For <laughs> yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just want to say that although I may have predicted a more optimistic league, league position, I think I said f- like 15th, 16th, something. Exactly. That's their 15th. Um, I, um, I expected to hate every second of it in any case and just for it to be a crap season that I didn't enjoy, but that we would just kind of get through just by, you know, kind of scabbing a few lucky wins here and there, um, which we did anyway. And and but but me just feeling miserable about it all season. So I wasn't that far off. Like the emotion <laughs> the emotional yeah. imprint was correct, even if the outcome wasn't quite correct. Yeah. You get don't get any points for that. Right? Oh, I, know, I thought I'd try. Yeah, it's all right. So, well, so you both predicted over last season's finish then. So I guess my question would be at what point 
did that sort of idea change for you guys that where you thought actually we're in trouble we're probably more likely to finish under here uh darren i'll come to you first on that one i think it was i don't know definitely by fulham i'd got to that point where i was really deeply worried about about the season um the away game uh no the home game the home game um i was really worried at that point in fact i remember texting my mate jeppo to say do you fancy coming around and watching um marsh's funeral uh because i thought that he might get sacked after that game uh at that point so but yeah it was uh it was it was it, it became pretty obvious that once once teams worked out how to go over our press our counter press and to take away that weapon from us that that Jesse Marsh had absolutely no answers beyond kind of trying to double down on on the counter press and narrow tactics and um and and once once teams stopped walking into that trap it just became really obvious to me that we were just going to really struggle to to get anything out of the season yeah i think that that Fulham home game was a definitely a, a point for me where i was like really frustrated with the way Leeds were playing mm. i actually I left that game and I said to my brother, I am not coming to a home game again until Jesse Marsh gets sacked. And I actually did stand by that. Because mm. um, I think my first game back was the Man United home game. Mm. which was So, uh, yeah, that was definitely a frustrating point for me. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I thought we were going to get relegated at that point. I think that was probably... Because we had those... I know we kind of scabbed those wins back-to-back and then we looked all right away at Spurs. And like, I think that kind of gave me false optimism that we'd still have enough. So it was probably, it was probably maybe around the Forest away game mm. where I was thought we were... But then it kind of ebbed and flowed. So it's like, well, Gracia came in, got those two wins. Oh, we'll probably be all right. And then it all went horribly wrong then, didn't it? But Jacob, what about you on this one? I, I would echo the same kind of thoughts that, that you both have said. Like, late era Marsh, you, you were looking at that and thinking there's only one way this is happening. But those those early results with Gracia did, did definitely make me think, well... There's a real chance of us variancing this out, right? And um, it's just uh, once that started fading away, it, and those winnable games that we had, and we ended up getting the single point against Leicester with towards the end of Gratia's time, is really where I think I sort of w- was accepting that, and never really expected that Allardyce mm. was going to get us out of it with the with the standard mm. of the teams that we were facing in those games. I mean, even even with the, the couple of good re- results that Gratia got, they were they were. Really, really winnable games, even for a team in as ba- oh, in, sure. in as bad a position as we were. So that they didn't give me any confidence or renewed faith or any optimism. Really, it was just it was just okay. So we've won a couple of games. Now what kind of thing? Because I, I didn't really I didn't really see anything in the performances that gave me a huge amount of confidence. Apart from in that, funnily enough, I thought the first half against Palace was decent. Albeit not again, yeah. not again. Albeit set pieces against us were a real challenge uh, in that game. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I I never really kind of bought into the oh, Grathy is going to get us out of this thing because I never saw enough in the performances to think that there was anything real there. It, it just felt like we'd variance a couple of wins against very poor mm. teams on our own ground. And and it's the kind of thing like particularly Josh has made a point of saying all throughout the season around just the complete inability of our players to control possession yeah. for any any sustained amount of time and the, like so often our only approach in possession in the game has just been very so direct and and, and never managing the opposition at any time that it's always left it up to that kind of variance 
Absolutely, but but Gracia did try to change that. To be credit to him, he did try to introduce more build up. But the fact was that the squad that had been built was mm. built for Jesse Marsh's football, which is which is not that. So asking Western McKenney to control <laughs> possession is a bit like asking. It's like you know, it's like um, it's like a dog chasing a stick, isn't he? Like with, after his first touch, he's like a dog chasing a stick, and 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 that's just not kind of uh, or a toddler chasing a balloon, whichever whichever you prefer. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's just not going to happen, is it? So, so even though we, did, yeah. you know, Gracia did try and introduce something different, the fact is that whatever his ideas were, we're never going to carry through because of our, like you say, our pain and ability to manage the football. The, the only, the only midfielder we had who could do anything like that was Adam Forshaw, and he didn't play under Gracia; he was injured. Yeah, exactly, exactly. On this question, so I'll go through the uh, Discord answers. So, um, so. Three people got it correct, but nobody predicted it exactly correctly in terms of being 19th. Right. Cool, thanks for that. So let's move on to the to question two then. So the question was, more Premier League points or more Premier League goals scored by Leeds? So last season, it was 38 points and 42 goals scored. This year, it was 48 goals scored, so it's gone up, but 31 points, so it's gone down by seven points. Just out sort of out of interest so it was 13 goals scored by Rodrigo 5 by Harrison 5 by Sinistera 4 by Bamford 4 by Somerville and then there was 17 other goals scored by various players Jacob do you want to give us our scores on this one? Yeah so this one uh, Darren thought it would be points and Tom you also thought it would be points so I'm afraid you're both wrong but this one I said goals so I guess I chalk the first point up uh, This one I said goals I get a point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What am I meant to do? I'm meant to lie and say I got it wrong as well. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so, my my reading of that, on a very very basic way, is that the attack got better, but we got worse. Is, <laughs> is that the way you would read it, Jacob, or is that made simplifying it well too much? I think I, possibly, uh, maybe maybe not necessarily the attack got better, but that definitely that the moments were taken in in the times that the moments came up, like. Rodrigo, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know Rodrigo like outshot his xG, outscored his xG quite a bit, and then people like having someone like Sinistera coming into the team as well helped to offset what we lost when we lost Rafinha, and those two players particularly, I think, were really reliable for scoring goals even beyond the the numbers that you might expect, but obviously they had their problems with availability within the season but I don't think that was necessarily because of particularly cohesive attacking ability by the team it was just those two footballers are good football players it was just a lot of individual moments wasn't it like Mm -hmm. well there's a few players there for example like it's probably a good time to talk about someone like Somerville who Mm. uh, at the start of the season was not expected to really be heavily involved and was someone that did quite well so what what did you make of Somerville this year Darren? Um, I'm not I'm still not completely sold on him as a as a Premier League yep. player. Um, to be honest, I think he he's somebody who can impact him, impact game in moments. And he had that little hot streak where he scored a couple of goals, and and you know, uh, and, and obviously I'm that that was good. But I just think in terms of his overall contribution to games, it, I think he's got some pretty clear defensive weaknesses. Uh, I think he's got some physical. Physical weaknesses, particularly in at the, you know in that Premier League level, and I don't think that his inbuilt skill and pace is enough to is enough in the Premier League uh, to kind of overcome some of those some of those perceived weaknesses. I might be I might very well be wrong about that. He might function very well 
in a in a in a team that's got more of the ball, but but because we were not really looking to have the ball in any meaningful way under any of the three managers, we weren't really looking to possess the ball as the first priority. Um, I, I I just don't know whether that it could be that it could just be as simple as that the systems that we played didn't play to his strengths, um, other than his kind of rapid. To, to be in a counter attack, but uh, you know, I I, th- I think he, I'm glad that he had a, a few a few games and some you know and a couple of goals and everything. But I I just really remain un- unconvinced by him. I know that some other people in the in the group and in the and and in the channel really disagree with me on that. But I, I've never really shifted from that position. I I think I, I I wouldn't say that I necessarily hold the same point of view there. I do think that in the moments where we were able to get him in positions that played to his strengths that he really that he did show uh, quite a lot and I think that that particularly is when he's out attacking a fullback on the right wing we saw that so much with when he was in the other 21s that he, he got a lot of joy out of there and I do think that we saw that with him in the times that he was doing that but partic- like particularly a lot of his games in the first team he's often ended up being off on the left and that that perhaps makes him more of like a direct goal threat, like going in behind or on the counter and things. But I, that compared to other other right footed players, I haven't liked him so much on the left in terms of like trying to go on the outside that side. I I think like more of his natural game comes out on on the right flank and like particularly with Marsh's football, which didn't use the flanks so much in that kind of way. It it it, it just hasn't been something that we've seen very much, and I'd, I'd be hopeful that if we retained him. That would be an asset that we'd actually be able to make. Excuse me. That would be an asset that would be more part of our arsenal hmm. uh, intentionally. Yeah, I think I'd be on a sort of similar idea to you there, Jacob. And it's someone I definitely want to try and keep because I think if you can give him a run of games in the championship, you could see him sort of develop into one of our more important players. But we can have Dan James on the wing instead. I've not put him on the running order, so I'm just going to ignore that question. Don't talk about Dan James. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we will just shout out to other people on Discord. So they had some bonus questions predicting the points needed for 17th and the number of goals lead was scored. So there's a few people that got 36 points correct. So that's, I can't even say that. Owen. Owen, Owen, Owen yep. Apologies. I can't speak. I'm going to assume that's Irish. Uh, Jake G, Stefan Jones and Andre, who got the 36 points correct. And then there's Big Gangster and Russell, who got 48 goals correct. So well done, you guys. So, question three now. Yellow cards accrued by Leeds players or Premier League goals conceded by Leeds? So, last season we got 101 yellow cards, which I actually forgot how ridiculous that was. <laughs> and we conceded 79 goals, which is also ridiculous, but in its own special way. And then, so there was a hard to get a definitive answer on this one. So, the kind of was a range of 84 to 97 yellow cards, but all these figures were higher than the 78 Premier League goals, so we did improve our defence slightly. Shout out to all the data providers who gave us different numbers of yellow cards. Yeah, gotta love that. Um, it's fair, like, I would, unlike uh, fantasy football, would probably be the most accurate one for this moment because people will like, complain if they lose Ooh, two I points. I didn't think from... of looking at that. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see what, that would take you well too long anyway. But yeah, so it's yellow cards was the winner on that one, so do you want to give us our scores on this one, Jacob? All three of us said yellow cards, so we're all right. Um, so yeah, good, good to mm. have you both. Uh, you don't need to act out, Jacob. I'm just going to play into this bit patronising figure now. <laughs> um, I think J- Jacob, when the yeah in the preview episode, you kind of mentioned about the uh, play style that we might incorporate. The season just gone. 
So I mentioned something here about I thought if Marsh was sacked that we would still like pick an intense uh, a manager with like an intense style of play that might mean we would still get a lot of yellows. I'm not entirely sure if that bore bore itself out and perhaps gave the uh, the ownership too much credit for the uh, the possibility they might have some kind of continuity in their mind. But um, yeah, we we've ended up with just different manager different managers this season playing di- different football. We've gone we t- talked about it already a little bit that we sort of retreated, tried to do a bit more build up with Grathia, properly sort of stodged it up under Allardyce, but. Probably all of those kinds of um, styles of play ended up mm. with us getting a lot of yellow cards, and I think it partly was inherent in the kind of players that we had as well, like people like Weston McKenney, just very, very aggro. Yeah, so yeah, well, players like Tyler Adams and Mark Rocker as well, especially when they've like they've got to run around and cover the pitch, they're going to get yellow cards and fouls, aren't they? But uh, Darren, what about you on this one? What what are your thoughts on sort of the, the playing style leading to this? So I don't have anything particularly revolutionary to say. I think Jacob's really covered it, um, that that we knew that Marsh's style was going to be aggressive, that he was going to be on the front foot, that we know that Marsh likes fouls because we've seen that footage of him bollocking his team uh, for not kicking, I think it was Liverpool players uh, enough in, in, in a previous job. Um, so, you know, we, we knew fouls, were gonna pl- uh, fouls and yellow cards were going to play a big part in the season. I think also his teams mm. become increasingly desperate uh, generally across the course of a season though you know discipline will tend to go a little bit although we didn't really see that in the same way that we did at the end at the end of um, last season but we, we did pick up a number of unnecessary bookings or bookings where players were exposed and had no option but to take the player down um, you know particularly maybe full back areas or, or in transition in our defensive transitions there was a video today that went the rounds um in in that vein of um, of Junior Furpo having to make a really really like a, a tackle of that ilk because Verber had gone in and completely taken himself out of the game going to ground. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. And that was uh, <laughs> lots of stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So so I'm not I'm not surprised at all to hear that um that we picked up more yellows um than uh, than uh, than scored goals. I wonder whether those outstanding points, uh, outstanding yellow cards that we don't know about, whether whether some of the data providers have counted yellow cards to backroom oh. staff, because we yeah, know yeah. that there were a lot of those um, earlier on in the season, because um, it was a constant source of pain. It's a pain in the arse, isn't it? That when your manager's the least disciplined person in the club, um, that that's likely to provide some problems. But I don't I don't know whether they're counted. That's just purely speculative. But, um, so. Yellows to subs, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Yeah. I'm sure we must have done. People running on the pitch when goal, when moments have been celebrated, uh, you know. <laughs> it's been celebrated, yeah. Um, I guess this is a good time. I need to talk about Tyler Adams. So he obviously missed the last twelve games of the season. Jacob has just informed me that. Well, he got, Jacob has informed me that he got four or the one last yellow card than the whatever the highest was in the team. But he did miss the last twelve games. Mm-hmm. So I guess he might have potentially being the one that got the most yellows but he also in the games he missed Leeds also conceded 36 goals which has obviously had a massive well potentially could have had a big difference on how the season played out so uh, Darren do you think well first of all how what do you make of Adam's season and then a lot of people have said perhaps we'd have stayed up if he'd have stayed fit do you buy into that at all? No, not really. I don't because I think I think a lot of the games that he missed were were games where we would have conceded a decent number of shipped a decent number of goals whether he was involved or not and you know we might have reduced the losing margin by one 
in some of those games. Um, but but I'm not really of the opinion that he would have meaningfully changed the outcome of the season. I, I'm not surprised that he's a bit of a fan favourite because you know a lot of Leeds fans would love to see a good tackle over a good pass any day of the week. Um, and and I and I do understand that kind of you know that oh into him Leeds kind of uh, attitude and and and, and whatever. Um, I, I I don't mind Adams. I think I think he's a I think he's a decent but. But re- but probably relatively limited player. I, I don't think he's great in in you know in, in possession. Albeit, I don't think that's particularly what is in the team to do. Is is there to really recycle and 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 move the ball into the into that wide area where the fullback could then ping it and you know advance advance the ball with a pass. But um, yeah, I I I I don't think he would have made a huge difference. He may he may have made some some difference, but I think I think the problems that Leeds United exhibited were bigger than whether Tyler Adams was there. Just the same as I heard the same rhetoric around, well we definitely need Max Verber because if Max Verber's not playing then then we're definitely going to get relegated and that's because he's a he's a, a very visibly active defender and I think I think much is the the same is true of Adams because he's prepared to get in people's faces. He's prepared to be aggressive. He's prepared to be proactive. That's always going to make him popular. Um, but I, I don't necessarily buy into the idea that he'd made it made, made a huge difference to the outcome of the season. Yeah, I think got got to agree with all that. Really, um, I am going to move on just because we've got seventeen of these to go through when we've gone through these pretty slowly already. So uh, if we talk about centre backs. So the next question was games missed by centre backs due to injury or combined goals from Sinistera, Harrison, Bamford, Aronson, Rodrigo and Dan James. So for last last season for reference there was uh, the four senior centre backs missed 45 league games and six cup, cup games. This season uh, was 35 combined goals from the players but 30 games missed by the senior centre backs who are Cooper, Cock, Stroik, Urente and Werber. Probably a good time to well, if we focus on the attack on this one so Rodrigo yeah we do want the scores thank you for correcting me Jacob so let's go for the scores and then we'll talk about Rodrigo just uh, just before the scores here when we when we had this question in the in the preview episode uh, Darren had originally missed Bamford off the list of players and upon realising this and correcting himself went on a rant declaring that other podcasts are all working for the man and I just (laughs) wanted to ask you Darren if you stand by that statement (laughs) I mean, yeah, of course the fucking are. You just have to listen to them to know, right? They're all, they're all, you know, they're all working for the man. Uh, uh, I don't know which man, but definitely working that, for well, a man. That's the question we asked as well, and you didn't answer. No, well, I, you know, I, I think probably it's best that, that some things re- remain said in either private spaces <laughs> or or unsaid at all. To be honest, <laughs> I don't think that I don't well, think I the square I don't think the, the square ball, I don't think the square ball are working for Angus Kinnear anymore, though. Do you? <laughs> Quite no, possibly not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But to the actual answers, um, Darren, you said more games by centre backs. Uh, Tom, you said more games by centre backs. Uh, I said more goals. So oh, again, I win. <laughs> great. Okay. It's going well. It's all right. There's 14 questions to go. Don't worry about it. Right. Let's talk about Rodrigo first. Then, so he was easily our top scorer this season. So uh, Jacob, Rodrigo, how, how would you rate your season? Well, I think I think you have to rate it pretty highly because, like, he was the person who did consistently put the ball in the net. I will, until the last day of my life, ramble on about how he didn't have like he's not a number nine. 
He didn't, and, and people are people have spent so much time this season saying, "Oh, now you've put him in his preferred position. This is why you're scoring all these goals." But even though, like, it was never his preferred position before he played for Leeds, and actually, like, a lot of the situations in which he scored goals, there were some penalties, there were some set pieces, uh, and then there were also like goals that he got from just coming into coming into attacking positions, like once we had like crowded the box, particularly with Marsh, and like he could have been in that position if he wasn't the focal point of the attack as well. And there are still so many other times I can think about where he, he just did things that like actually killed our attack as well. And, and like not being able to hold up play properly, not making the same kind of runs that you'd want out of a center forward, which is not to say that you have to play with a, like a forward like Bamford, but you want to structure the whole team in that respect. And it just felt like when we had Bamford, the, the like the centre forward function of the team enabled the team a lot better. Having said all this, I, I I do still feel that we have to give Rodrigo quite a lot of credit for um like um for, for being the person who did score the goals, even if you talk about him overshooting his xG, because like we we wouldn't have been in any kind of position to to be in theory still being being able to be safe on the final day if it wasn't for the, for those goals and. He, again, like, is it a good thing that players play through injury? But he did it, and uh, and, we, and we needed it because we didn't have anybody else. And yeah. so, like, I think on balance, you have to you have to say he's had a, a good season and um, fi- finally started to really show some of the the quality that we we expected to see when we paid so much money for him several seasons ago. Yeah, I think I think when he first signed, we were all fairly critical of n- not him as a player, but the way he fit into the system. And like he always did show a lot of the quality that he has shown this season, but I don't think we've been proven wrong this year either. No. I think he's shown that ability, but it's just kind of the driver isn't a very a system that he's there to break, or he's just done stuff individually which has kept us in game. So I think I think a lot of what you've said there is is spot on. To be honest, Jacob, um, Darren, I'm going to ask you about two other players. Um, that were on those lists. So the first one is Sinistera, who mm. actually did show moments but wasn't fit for long enough, and then Aronson, who was fit for all of it but didn't really show any moments. So yeah. what about those two guys? <laughs> I, 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 uh, in reference to one of the earlier questions, we asked about whether we think Adams being available in those final few games would have made a difference. I guess it's my view that a fully fit Sinistera would have made. A significant difference to the season um, across the whole piece. That first injury that he picked up really killed any momentum that he had, and also I felt like he was really fitting into the team and starting to influence games in a really positive way. So, and and once he came back from injury and the other appearances it had in the team, he never really kind of found any sort of rhythm or or that that sort of uh, ability to influence games. So I I feel like he was a bigger factor than than Adams being out. Um, although I think that you know it's sort of become apparent. I think that that um, there was always a sense that he might struggle with the intensity of the Premier League and the intensity of the system. Um, so I wonder again whether the recruitment of Sinistera, as much as I had like him as a player, whether he was right for the sort of team that we were trying to build, mm. um, or whether whether you know he was somebody that we needed to throw in immediately, or whether there's you know there was some way that we could have introduced him more gradually. Um, and, and Aronson, um, I'm just not really sure what he's for. 
If, if, if he's not there for a counter-pressing situation, what's he for? I mean, he's decent, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a good ball carrier, but the problem is, is that as soon as there's any sort of physical presence around him, he gets completely outmatched immediately, and he, he the way he releases the ball drives me mad. His decision-making drives me absolutely potty because he, he will always try and dribble through the whole team. Uh, so I... I I think he's a massively failed signing, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be, I would be very happy to never see him in a lead shirt again. To be honest, yeah, can only echo all that as well. Mm. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's not one that I feel would go down to the championship and sort of improve. I just, I just don't really get his quality, like you say. Well, I think if anything, he, he you lose his upscale in the in the championship if we end up facing a lot more teams who sit deeper. Yeah. Definitely. I guess like, the intensity that he brings might be a positive, but I've kind of had enough of intensity as an upside um, this season, so I don't really want to <laughs> go with that next year. Um, I'll move on to the next question. So this one was, what happens first? Sustained calls for Marsh to be sacked or the World Cup, which began on the 21st of November for some reason? God, that was weird. I forgot about that. So the answer to this one is, we're going with the idea that there were calls to sack Marsh in that run of defeats prior to the Liverpool and Bournemouth wins, which we completely scabbed, um, which those two wins were just before the World Cup. So, Jacob, do you, who, do you want to give us our scores on this one? So, for this one, Darren and I both said the calls were sacking, and Tom, sadly, you said the World Cup. God, wow, I was too positive on that. <laughs> what was I thinking there? I, can't, I, I didn't write that down, sorry. Yeah, oh, God, I probably wasn't thinking that might have been the, the point. Um, I guess the the thing for, the, to take from this question is, if we had sacked Marsh before the World Cup, do we stay up? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it depends. There's too many moving parts there, aren't there? Like, who do you, who comes in? What do they yeah. try to do? Blah 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 blah. Like, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have an answer on that. I, I've got a question that I'd like to ask you both, though, right? We won that Bournemouth game 4-3, and at the end of that game, I was even more sure that I wanted Marsh sacked than than I was before the Liverpool game because because I was so furious with how the team had played in that game and that I felt we just didn't deserve that win and that we actually deserved to have lost that game handily at home to Bournemouth. I, and that, that's, that really intensified my kind of... Uh, feelings on Marsh and I just wanted to get your sense of where you were at that time uh, unfortunately I didn't actually watch that game I was um, I was in the middle of like the, I, at the time the game was played I was in a performance mm. of Legally Blonde and so I, I, I didn't watch that game but I, I, I wanted Marsh mm. to go and uh, and so my feelings were like oh shit we've got we've got to deal with this now for, 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 for a longer period of time but I, I haven't got any more specific feelings around the game itself yeah, on on a sort of very similar note, I was actually at the Lion King at the time of the game. The, the the time the game was being played, I did record it and watch it back live though. Um, but watch it back without knowing the score, so I kind of just got the delayed result on that one. But yeah, I, I was actually no. really frustrated watching the game that like we would, and I was like, I, d- I don't feel any sort of positivity about that because he's going to now stay longer, and we're playing awfully. Like I yeah. ex- expected Bournemouth to to beat us and I think they were better against us than I thought they were going to be so yeah I think I was uh, probably not as angry as you were Darren but I was definitely on on the same page Um, I'll move on to the next question so this one was more goals conceded from set pieces or more goals scored from set pieces so last season we scored 19 goals from set pieces sorry 19 goals and 5 pens were conceded and 10 goals and 5 pens were scored this season 
there was 18 goals, including six penalties conceded, whereas there's 16 goals, including four penalties scores. Jacob, do you want to give us the scores on this one? We all thought that we would score more set pieces this season, so we're all wrong. Yeah, I'm doing really well here. Um, <laughs> I guess the thinking behind that was Jesse Marsh was kind of, did he make a bit of a deal about set pieces being one of our things, one thing that he had in his locker, and then they just never, never came about, did they? I want to re- to call back to an early season review, uh, Tom, where you did you did some absolutely searing uh, set piece analysis when you said that you were happy with the way that set pieces were going from an, from an attacking point of view because you could see that we were doing all weird stuff from them, <laughs> uh, and that's st- that stayed with me every time I saw us trying something. I was doing some we're doing some all some weird stuff here. Uh, I wonder if it'll lead to a goal. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Maybe uh, it's a bit too weird. I don't know what God. to say. Yeah, this is why I host now because I um I don't have anything nice to say, so I just make you say it <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to the next question because I haven't got a lot to say about that unless you have Jacob. I'll go on. Only, only to note that actually the differential here is penalties, and um, I'm not for a second trying to jump on Patrick Bamford's back for missing penalties. I'm more interested in jumping on the back of uh, our defenders for conceding so many. Yeah, you weren't jumping on his back, but you were around his house throwing eggs, weren't you? I didn't waste eggs on the house, I was throwing rocks. (laughs) Okay. Next question then. So this is question seven, and it was, which comes first, dropping out of the League Cup or our first win against a big side, big six side? So last season, we dropped out of the League Cup first. This season, we actually beat Chelsea before we even played in the League Cup. So Jacob was... Was I correct on this one? Did I get a point? Uh, no, we were all incorrect again oh, because we all thought we would win in the League Cup first before beating a big six team. We did win in the League Cup. We just we, yeah, because we we beat Barnsley, didn't we? We did, but, but it was yeah. just after Chelsea. After Chelsea, yeah. So I guess this is like a good a good time to talk about Marshball being good against bigger sides. Um, Darren, do you want to do you want to go on that? Because obviously we what beat Liverpool, beat Chelsea. I can kind of, I'm kind of crediting the one away at Old Trafford to Marsh as well because I think he was sacked like what a day before. Mm. It was basically his setup. So generally, in t- those games we looked better, I think, than we did against lower sides. But what do you make of that one? Um, I think when, whenever a team tried to to build up and didn't modify their build up, well, well I think that the, the conditions required for Marsh Ball to work were incredibly specific. Right? We need we needed a team to use the ball in a particular mm. way to pass the ball in a way which would engage Leeds triggers and and for them to kind of commit to doing that throughout the entire fixture, whether that was working or not. And I guess that in those games that that, that you mentioned, uh, the game against Chelsea, that definitely was an influence. It was probably an influence to a degree against Liverpool away, but I'm not necessarily even, I don't even necessarily think that that was the differential there. In the second half against Arsenal, although we lost that game, did cause them some problems uh, through through that approach, um, but but yeah, clearly when when a team modified their approach, either popped it over the press or didn't didn't try build up uh, in in that way, um, or or committed to playing a, a counter attacking game against us like Bournemouth did at Elland Road, or, or you know even maybe like Palace did at Elland Road, then the whole thing just really fell apart. So I think I think it's true to a degree. But I think the tactically smart managers or the managers who had players who were able to uh, just get around it anyway, like City, for example, um, 
I, th- I think that looking back, it's an it's an incredib- incredibly flawed thing to think. Well, we're going to be good against these two teams. <laughs> there are two or three teams in the league, and we'll just kind of variance out the rest of the season. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it, really. And I would just add that, like, what you were saying about if teams approach games in different ways showed up even as early as the first game of the season against Wolves where we had a we had a good contest in the first half and the, and the tactics were bearing fruit but once we got, went into the second half Wolves started hitting the channels a lot more uh, and going a lot more direct um, much quicker and immediately made the game a lot more uncomfortable I know we w- still won in the end but you, know, you could immediately already see that that was a way that we were able to be hurt and we didn't seem to be then able to modify what we were doing and trying to manage manage the possession in the game more or anything like that. I'm just going to interrupt here for a moment uh, because um, I just want to draw the listeners' attention back to a time uh, around, uh, around this time of the preview podcast when Mr Tom Alderson, talking about that lot in red from over the Pennines, made the heinous crime of referring to them as United. And we have asked for um, suggestions from our Discord <laughs> for what punishment should be carried forward for Mr. Oh, Mr. Tom Alderson. Um, and I've got, I've got a number of them here. You can see on the screen here, Tom, that I've got, uh, I've got, got quite a, there are quite a lot of suggested oh God, punishments. And I'm just going to pick some edited <laughs> highlights here. So there are some, there are some, um, there are some violent ones, which, which I'm quite tempted to have a go at uh, when, when we meet up in July. So 10 lashes, uh, a night in John's dungeon. That sounds good. Um, yeah, spread Lego all over the floor of his house. So that that one feels too violent, even for me. I thought you were going to say count spread legs. Then <laughs> no, no, spread <laughs> Lego. Lego. Uh, now our, our dear friend Udav. Um, oh, I, I love this one. He said, "He said, forgive him, uh, but we're not, we're not going to do that oh, because because it's that. the it, yeah." Mm-hmm. Chemical castration was put forward, and and you can probably imagine who that might have been by. The, then death, 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 uh, flogging. Um, but my favourite, and I think the I think the the one that we're going to go with, is that on the all stats meetup uh, in July, uh, we are going to in fact require Mr. Tom Alderson to wear a Manchester United shirt on the Leeds United All Stats Aren't We meet-up for the entire day. So um, we're not going to go with Well Ruddy's suggestion, which was trigger the same lever, march <laughs> naked through Stockport, and then walk all the way to the Wirral and affix his feet with heavy weights. We're not going to go with that one. Uh, we're going to go with we're going to go with making him wear a, a Manchester United shirt for the entire entire day of our meetup. And my, my nephew is a Man United fan, so I've got very easy access to a shirt and I shall sort that out for you, Tom Alderson. Is, is it no is he, problem is he at six all. foot four? Yes, he oh, is. Four. Okay. <laughs> um this actually makes my skin crawl thinking about it. Like it like yeah. Sorry. Um, I just want to, yeah, uh, just say that we, we also didn't choose name firstborn child Cristiano. Uh, because that makes a lot of assumption about Tom's social uh, activities, um, and um, <laughs> for him never to be it's not fair on the girl either. If I, if I have a daughter, is it? Uh, <laughs> it's, nev- it's not her fault. How many do you? <laughs> uh, never to be spoken of again. But I think I don't know. I think I think we 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 like you a bit more than that. I did accidentally declare that Tom had died in the one podcast I appeared in this season. Oh, I think 
okay. you did. Yeah. <laughs> that was, well, I wasn't dead. I was listening to it like I'm a pretty. I'm pretty sure I'm alive. Yeah. Um, and then there was some stuff about Freddo's, which I can only assume is some sort of oblique reference to John McKenzie's Freddo's bit yeah. on the TFO podcast earlier on in the season, which was magnificent. Yeah. Anyway, Tolda, how do you feel about your punishment? I, I don't really want to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, it's a teachable I, can you moment. Can put Lego in my house? <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like my Poor screen like, crawling thinking about it. It's like it literally fills me with dread. <laughs> oh, God. Um For the reference of the listeners, on our on our running order, it says an important point from Darren that Toldo doesn't know about. And yeah, I think that was for the best. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh Move, moving on to other <laughs> stuff that doesn't involve me wearing a Man United shirt. Um, so imagine if I'd have said it again then, that would have been bad. So <laughs> so the, this next question was, more changes to the starting eleven for the FA Cup third round for the previous game or goal scored by Leeds in the second half of injury time? In second half injury time, I should say. So last season there were four changes to the eleven and eight late goals, which again was something ridiculous that I'd half forgotten about. This season there were seven changes to the 11 uh, for the FA Cup and only three late goals. Uh, Jacob, how did we do on this one? So Darren went for the late goals again, uh, so unfortunately it was wrong. Tom, you said the changes and during the podcast your opinion was so well reasoned that I changed my mind to agree with you during the recording. For God's sakes. We were both (laughs) right. (laughs) So at least I'm I'm on the board with this one. I guess the only thing to take from this is well, there's, there's probably two things for me. One, we actually made a cup run for once, even if, it's the, if the fifth round can count as a cup run, but it, we won a game, which is better. And then sort of those late goals, I think they were a pretty big source of points last season. And I guess that could mm. you could argue that's the points difference this year. Mm. I don't know if any of you had, have anything to say on either of those things, but it's just the two things I took from this question. Mm. And I suppose for me, it kind of raises the the spectre of that thing that Luke Aylin said at the end of the season about him feeling that the team weren't as fit, that they didn't have it in them to go again. And whether whether the conditioning under Marsh, Grathia and then um, Allardyce was as good as it had been in pre... I mean, we, we can probably say that it wasn't as intense or whatever, but I just mm-hmm. wonder whether there was something there about, you know, that we'd always, even right through Bielsa's period, we'd relied on late goals and eventually breaking teams down as a kind of way of you know winning winning games and i i just wonder whether that additional you know a few percentage of fitness um whatever it is whether that made a difference in the end i think that in joe gelhart we had a more effective 
impact substitute last season than yeah. we really have actually had for a lot of this season. There's been times where Nanto's been 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 handy, um, both starting and particularly off the bench as well. But like, I I struggle to look at like games where we're bringing Aronson on as a sub, for example, and, or um, who, who else did we even have on the bench later in the season? I don't know. I guess Somerville um, was someone that would come on sometimes. Yeah, mm. um, but I yeah I, I struggled to to see a a player who had the same impact off the bench and, and and was able to bring new energy onto the the team in as an effective way as Gelhart did last season and even even something like that we replaced him with a thirty five million pound player that nobody wanted to play. Yeah, I guess this is a good time to talk about that signing because it's probably like it was such a we've needed a striker in January to sort of replace Bamford or give us that option off the bench and we got Rutter who was no show until pretty much the last day of the season. So what 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 do you guys think about that signing looking back on it in hindsight now? I would say it's it was catastrophic. Uh, yeah. Like uh, th- you can say this for so many of our big signings but when when a club in our position spends that kind of outlay on a player you like you need them to have some kind of material impact and uh, it even more than other ones, um, I, I think. I think that signing just just so failed to to make meet that basic requirement. It was just a player that nobody seemed to trust to be able to make much of an impact. He he looked comfortable in a couple of cup games, but beyond that, he he just never seemed to take to the Premier League. I I think he might have done if he had more game time, but I mean that's a counterfactual thing that we can't really really talk about and. We we knew that there were all these problems with Bamford in terms of his availability, in terms of his form, and it it seemed just like the the easiest thing in the world to actually try and plug that gap once and for all. I mean, they were briefing that we were going to do it, and um, and, and we didn't. Hmm. I I just want I agree with everything Jacob said, but I just want to make it absolutely clear that I don't in any way blame the player for this. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I know you. I know you don't either. Um, yeah. But I, I just want to make it clear that the that the fuck up was at the club, it is on the club for for signing the wrong player at the wrong time. I, mm. For all I know, Ruta might be a, might be a really good player and might be really influential next season, playing at that slightly lower level and building up into into the English game. But I, I, you know, obviously that's just speculation at this point. But I just, I just think that the club's management of the squad has been nothing short of a disaster over over a period of time and this is just one example of that well if we talk so I'll move on to the next question which we actually did talk about some signings in this one as well so the question was which comes first our last signing of the transfer window or our first win so the answer to this one was first win because we beat Wolves on the opening day and I believe we signed Willie Nonto on the last day of the tr- of the transfer window Jacob what was what were the scores on this one so you and I Tom we both said first win and uh Darren was following mm. logic he'd said in previous questions and thought we were going to have a rocky start, and so Darren went for the last signing. I think um, this is a good time to talk about Nonto about his season. So Darren, what what have you? Well, he's going to be one of the few sources of joy for Leeds this year, surely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he's really effective. I think his you know his decision making in possession is really smart. I think he's got a, a wonderful appreciation of the game. Um, I, I just, again, though, I think the note of caution that I would sound is that I just think that it's entirely wrong for the club to pin the hopes uh, and, and to a degree, the fan base to pin the hopes of survival on this kid who's, you know, is incredibly young uh, for all that he's talented. And I think he will be, he will develop into a really, really good player. 
I just think that you can't expect young players to to dig you out of a relegation fight. And unfortunately, we were in the position in the in the middle of the season, particularly where he was the only bright spot. Um, and 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 I I hope that I get to watch him play for Leeds again because I really do love watching him play. I just think that it's just mad that we ended up pinning everything on this this kid who if, who was always going to fluctuate out of form or who was always going to struggle to teams making adaptations to cope with him which is what happened I just can't get my head around how the club's allowed that to happen I, I wonder if the, the club it was one of those where they were supposed to just go into the under 21s and maybe and it's kind of just because he was so good it, it did turn out this way because I think Marsh kind of infamously said oh, he's in the under 21s because he's not ready despite the fact that he's a Italian international um, so I guess it was probably more out of necessity the season was pinned on him and the fan base like you say kind of jumped on the back of that uh, Jacob what, what about you what are your thoughts on Nanto? The only only to add um, that, that A that I agree with everything that you've both said like uh, particularly in that middle part of the season like what a joy to watch like absolutely fantastic but particularly in line with what you were just referring to, Tom, like there was that line that came out about how the club was planning on signing him, but in a subsequent transfer window, and it's only because they made such a botch up of trying to sign a forward after not getting Charlotte de Catalara that um, that we ended up even having him at all. And and imagine imagine the season if we'd had Dan James instead of Nonto, right? I, don't, it, I guess he's a little bit more depressing, I don't <laughs> Definitely. I'll move on to the next question then. Um, so, question 10. Goal scored by Patrick Bamford or matches won by Leeds? So, last season, there was only two Bamford goals and 10 wins. And the answer in all competitions was, this series at season was 10 wins with six Bamford goals. And it's, if you just want to use the Premier League, it's seven wins and four goals. Uh, Jacob, scores on this one? So, like last time... Um... Tom and I were on the went for wins, and Darren went for Bamford goals. Because not not for any reason other than the fact that I just love Pat Bamford. I think was probably my my rationale there. Quite and possibly. I, yeah, I, because I wanted him to to be happy in his life. <laughs> yeah, and he really, that really didn't happen this year. No, he's not happy in his life. Uh, well, he might be happy in his life. I'd, Pat. If you're listening, I know you won't be, but if you are, I, I didn't mean to say that you've got an unhappy life. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just wish you very well, and uh, and don't listen to the twats. Uh, the team doesn't function when you're not in it. Uh, so, irrespective of the fact that you missed a few chances, I still love you, and and I hope you all your injuries clear up and that you have a nice time. Yeah, he's, he's. I think his lack of fitness is kind of the probably the main talking point this season, isn't it? Because. The team functioned better with him in it, but they just he wasn't fit for long enough, and which is why we needed a striker in January. And unfortunately, we got Rutter rather than someone like Gia Corres. Um But do, do either you want to talk about Bamford's season, or should we move on? Only to say that that it, because of these injuries, it it does it, it it's really shown up that fact that we needed more more bodies in that area, and not that, if nothing else, just to lighten. Lighting the expectation on on Bamford, not even necessarily for the team itself, but like it, it doesn't do him any good to be constantly wheeled out when he's half fit, and we we know that like he's a much better player when he gets sort of a clean run of fitness uh, compared to like when he's coming in um, running on one leg or anything. And so yeah, it's just it's just, it's just been a real shame for him on on a personal level as well because it, it having having two seasons now be so fragmented and and, and broken up. 
is 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 not going to be fun for anyone. That's fair enough. Next question then. So, who has more appearances at right centre back, Robin Cock or Diego Llorente? Last season it was Llorente. This year it was Robin Cock with 33 starts and two subs, just to Llorente's four starts and one sub. And Llorente obviously left on loan in January. Which don't celebrate, Diego. He's coming back. That day. <laughs> um. I think for this one, it's probably just a quick discussion about the centre-backs in general. So we obviously had Cock and Llorente. Do you want the scores? I, yeah, let's go to the scores. Then we'll talk about the centre-backs in general. So all of us said Cock. Um, I think we were it, both from a position of logic and a position of hope. And uh, yeah, so we all got that right. And you particularly, Tom, mentioned you thought Llorente would end up at left centre-back when they were both playing, which did happen at the start of the season as well. So I get a bonus point for that, yeah? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just have a quick talk about the centre-backs. Obviously, Cock is still here. Uente is coming back. Werber was heralded as our saviour and did not do that. And then Stroik and Cooper, I guess, probably struggled. Um, we have got a lot of centre-backs, but I guess a few of those will leave and will end up well, end up with different ones next year. So... Probably my main question is who would you like to see, but who out of who's done what you've what you've seen from this year? So if I was to sum up each centre back in two words, I would say Robin Cock is aggressively average. I would say that Diego Urente is fucking horrendous. I would say Verba is like Urente, with a in brackets not probably not just quite as bad. And um, then I'm going to sum up Pascal Strauch with poor Pascal because I really think that the the club has ruined him by. Constantly playing him, playing him at position, and then when he was in those positions, he got exposed, and he does seem to be a player that really struggles with his confidence. Um, I don't know. I'd like to put them all, seal them all in concrete, and dump them in the North Sea and start again. To be honest, yeah, I'd keep Stroud, but I think it would be better for him to go because I don't think he'll ever recover at Leeds. I do, I do agree on uh, Werber as well. I just I think he is like a Yorente light. I think he if he is not quite as much of a bomb scare, but he's definitely a bomb scare. He's the, he's the kind of player who, like, obviously Darren was mentioning earlier about him being so active it means that he, he gets all, all that kudos. But he's the kind of player that definitely will look better when we're sitting deeper and when when we're more exposed. If, say, we're playing more, fingers crossed, that we're playing a more possession-focused style and, and we're, we're more dominant in the championship. And then he's given he, he has just more space and more responsibility. I feel like those kind of moments could end up showing up a bit more. Uh, in there, I think my answer to the question about which centre back do we want to keep next season is uh, Leo Yelde. Um, uh, I thought I think that, that there's something in that player, and I'm just excited to actually see him play for us a bit more. Next question. So this is a this this is probably my favourite one that we answered on the <laughs> on the uh, preview pod. So it's which comes first, Rasmus Christensen red card or Rasmus Christensen trying to block a low shot with his head, like John Terry off uh, Phil Jones. I actually remember I think I said on the preview that. If he did a goal line clearance with his head, I won the game. Which, like on the floor with his head, I don't think that happened. So unfortunately, I think I'm not going to win the game this year. There, there isn't any data um, available about <laughs> low shots blocked with head. And uh, Christensen was last sent off in 2017. So the answer is we don't have a clue. But anecdotally, a, a variety of people have remembered Christensen doing this this season, and he didn't get a red card. So I, Jacob, what the hell has that done to the scores? I, we just all got a point because we all said some variation, fantastical story of um, him doing some kind of low tackle with his head or low block with his head. Um, 
particular shout out to Darren who fitted both the red card and the block into, into his answer. Um, but we all got a point. Nice one. I'll move on to the next question just in the interest of time. So, um, will Melier's average length of goal kick be higher or lower than the number of lead points, league points accrued in the season? So last season, his average kick was 38.9 yards, but he was 45.4 yards under Marsh. And we got 38 points this season. His goal kicks were 43.5 yards on average, and we got 31 points. Darren, I can't have you on the podcast again without you talking about Melier. So, <laughs> I, I just feel, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's because I, I don't think you could under in any reasonable way sit here and say that that Melier had a good a good season. He had good patches in the season. He had good games in the season, but overall. You know, I th- I think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that that he was constantly exposed, and he has been constantly exposed in the Premier League for for two seasons now. And I think that goals flying past you as a goalkeeper is always going to dent your confidence in in a way that nothing else can. Um, and I, I I think that I I don't see evidence that some of the flaws that we've identified in his game previously that that he needed to develop have really developed. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that's to do with the coaching because guess what? I've got no insight into whether the coaching at Leeds is any good or not. Uh, But I I will say that I've been been disappointed with Melier's development this season. Um, I do, however, think that that in the life of a goalkeeper, he's still relatively young. I still think he's very high potential. Um, and I, I I do think that there's, ev- there's still every chance of him becoming a really good goalkeeper over time. I just think that it's not here, it's not in this team, and it's not in the Premier League with Leeds. And I, I think that the best thing he could do would be to move on to a, to a different club, maybe maybe work as a number two with a really good, experienced goalkeeper for a little while and, and re- rebuild his game um, to, to, to a degree. Um, so I I don't have any you know I don't have any huge revelations to say Tom other than I just wish he'd had a better season and I wish that we hadn't exposed him so much for the last two years. I'll just add as well on a a completely different angle to that. He definitely feels like a player for whom we could still get a, a reasonable transfer fee out of, and like with with some of them there'll be re- uh, relegation clauses and people like Rodrigo uh, uh, older and getting towards the end of their contracts and things, but Melier is a player that uh, it, it, it makes sense to perhaps for him to move on for the reasons that Darren put out, but also it maybe makes sense for us to move move as well. And um, yeah, it's, it is a real shame, but it's the life of, of young players in, in failing teams, isn't it? Like yeah. Much like with Pascal. And I will just mention the scores for this one. Um, once again, Tom and I got this right with goal kicks, <laughs> and uh, Darren, you predicted Fuck a draw, uh, like uh, the the the, like the points and the and the yardage to be to the nearest whole number the same. And which, to be fair, they nearly were last season, but um, not so much this time, sadly. Next question: So, who starts the most? Who makes the most starts at left back slash left wing back? Firpo, Strauch, Hjelder, Harrison, or new signing? Firpo started nineteen league games last season. Uh, the answer this season across all competitions was Strauch had the most with 22. Firpo started 19 again. Um, new signing Werber started one. Hjelda started one. And Jack Harrison started one, which still seems a bit stupid. Uh, Jacob, what was the score on this one? So you both said Pascal, so you were right. I said Firpo, so I was not. Yay, we, we made one up, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In, your, in your face, Stanbridge. 
Does anyone <laughs> want to say anything on this one, or should we? I just, I just wish that once and for all, Leeds United yeah. would buy a decent left back, and maybe have more than one, more than one specialist left back at the club. Um, but again, there's nothing new here. This is just the same shit we've been saying for like indefinite periods of time. So, I mean, just edit this out if you want, because it's just odd. Find me saying the same thing at any point in the last two years. <laughs> Because it's, yeah. it's just a fucking nonsense. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? That like we we go into that January transfer window and the club like do all this like PR about we're finally getting this left back and we're finally getting this striker. And despite signing Verber and Rutter, we're no closer to it. Yeah. Some, sometimes Lauren says to me, "Go to the shop," and she'll say, "Get this, whatever it might be. Like maybe it's some sort of uh, vegetable or some sort of." products for like cleaning the dog's foot or whatever and and I won't be able to find it because I'm stupid right and I'll just pick up something that I think is vaguely similar similar and she'll go oh you dick I asked for you know uh, I asked for uh, a radish and you came back with a cucumber and it's just not the same thing is it when you come back like so Victor Otto coming back with the cucumber that is Max Verber <laughs> is not the same as the radish that we needed in the left fullback position I don't think there's anything else we can add to that, really. So it's a, I don't want to. No, I, I think we'll just leave it there. Um, next question. More Harrison goals or assists? So last season, including Cups, he had 10 goals and 2 assists. This season, in all competitions again, he had 10 assists and 6 goals. Jacob, what were our scores on this one? We all said goals. Good job all round team. I think it's worth probably just having a quick discussion on Harrison because I think could argue that he's been our best player this year. Uh, Jacob, what, what have you made of Harrison? I would say I I would I would back that like or maybe not best but certainly one of the best like I thought he started the season well tailed off perhaps a bit in the middle but was definitely someone who was like particularly throughout the more difficult times later on in the season still trying to make things happen and still like always like one just good thing about Jack Harrison he's always available he never gets injured and which is a, an underrated attribute in, in football players and you like he's a player whose technical quality i think sometimes can get unappreciated because there are there are moments when he makes massive mistakes but beyond as to his really good first touches he's he's still someone who we could actually like have some faith in to be able to not only carry the ball upfield because we had quite a few people who were able to do that but actually potentially do something with the ball once we actually got further upfield as well and, and and that's reflected in him having a hand in in 16 of in 16 of our goals this season which is a good, like a, a reasonable proportion of them uh, and and he's done that from a variety of positions as well like he's moved like left to right and he, he spent some time in that hybrid sort of kind of number eight role as well under marsh at points and so he he he's been able to do that contributing in a variety of different ways and just grateful grateful we've had him and not just some of the others mm-hmm. he's never he's never a problem for the team really like no. I, I think that that over the over the seasons that he's been with us he's consistently had like you know between maybe 12 and 20 goal involvements he, he adapts really well to whatever the tactical plan of the the coaches obviously works really hard you know looks after himself um, will diligently go about whatever role he's put into, and I think I think it's very very likely that we'll that we'll lose him in the summer because I think he's a I think he's a solid to very good Premier League operator, 
um, in the right team. Um, and I, I just I think he's been underrated by the fan base over the over the period that we've had him, and, and he's certainly someone that I'll miss. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely miss him as well. I've grown to really like Jack Harrison, but he definitely is one that deserves to go, and I think he will do well. He's he's a, definitely a stand at a good level Premier League player now. But yeah, uh, he's one that I think we'll get good money for as well, so it makes sense for him to move on, as, as sad as that is. Next next question, so um, I'm going to go through this quite quickly because I don't think there's a lot to talk about. So there's Stuart Dallas appearances or number of players who start a game with the captain's R-band. So last season there were four starting captains, so that's Cooper, Ayling, Dallas and Phillips. This season there were six different captains who were Cooper, Ayling, Bamford, Rodrigo, Cock and Strauch. And Dallas did not appear at all. Um, yeah, Jacob, do you want to just give us the scores on this one and we can move on because I don't think there's a lot to say. We all, well, I say we all got it wrong. Dar- Darren didn't actually answer the question. Um, <laughs> oh, I get the point then, right? No, well, in the uh, in the um, in the running order for the for this episode before, you just said, "Why did I put this here?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I'm happy to give you the point thanks, if you I'll want. I'll just have the point. I think I need the points to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So, um, final question then. So, which league's player will score the most points on fantasy football this year? So, last season it was Rafinha with 145. Surprisingly, Jack Harrison was the top scorer this season with 134 points over Rodrigo's 127, despite Rodrigo uh, being classed as a midfielder and getting more points for a goal than a forward would. Melier was third with 90. Uh, There was actually three people on the Discord that got this right. So there was our very own Tom Hostikundal plus Jamie Smith and uh, Berdino. Well, Rudy, um, who we all know and love, if you don't know him, then just... Yeah, probably, probably, best, for the best. Best, probably for the best. Yeah, he voted for Cody Drama, who probably had a better season than most of the Leeds players, and there was no votes for Rodrigo. We, uh, none of us uh, voted for, Rod- no. for Harrison either. So, uh, none, none of us Darren have done voted very well, for though. Pat Bamford. Uh, you voted for Melier, Tom, and I voted oh, for Aronson. Oh, God. I guess I did. I did all right then. I bet it's better than you, you two anyway. Um, I've got it written to here on the, the running order that in the preview episode, Darren gave out the FPL league code, which started with a lowercase two, if one of those is a thing. <laughs> I was, it, was, it was the start of a long season, Tom, what can I tell you? That was the portent of what was to come. Um, I'm going to hand over to Jacob now, just to, because he's got a couple of things, I think, to, to round off the episode for us. So, uh, firstly, just while we're on the topic of FPL, I uh, wanted to congratulate the winner of the All-Stats FPL League, who is Seb Wassel, who previous guest on one of the, our Patreon pods and is a proper FPL player. He's so actually perhaps. on like the Fantasy Football Scout podcast. That's not fair. So he's like, it's literally his full-time job. So whilst he won, like you should do, really. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> yes, somebody... Seb, don't, don't, be, don't be going waving your trophy about him. Yeah, and so Seb's got um, 2,627 points. And I think second place was Simon Tinsley, who was also a proper FPL player. Um, but, 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 but I want to say a real creditable fourth place goes to our very own Tom Alderson, who only actually finished uh, 32 points behind um, Yeah, and Seb it's not Russell. even my job. I and just, and that's I just not snowball. many points yeah. at all. So uh, I feel like Tom's the real winner. Don't know who came third, and I don't care. <laughs> no one cares. Um, and Jacob, we know that there, is, there are no winners. And, um, but there are losers. <laughs> and for the second year in a row, I came dead last in the FPL league. So uh, what, what, should I be on this podcast? Who knows? Thank you for the uh, for the, that applause. It means a lot. But this brings us to the the actual scores for this, and uh, I can reveal that in third place with six points 
is the wonderful Darren Driver. Uh, it's been a delight to see again the last time I saw you Darren was this preview podcast for this show (laughs) (laughs) so uh, it's been too long and then second place with eight points Tom Alderson which which means that look at his face look at his face Tom look how happy he is but I won in fantasy football and that's what really matters yes that's what really matters like Uh, if if you won this and I came second that's like a one point difference whereas I was like 272 places ahead of you in the fantasy football league yes you were to be fair which is is much more um but i did win with 10 points so uh, i guess well done jacob yeah Yeah. thank you yeah well done. so uh, i guess i'll have to come back and try and make it the three peak next year i guess you might be not be invited Uh, i would understand (laughs) maybe that's we'll we'll have you back on in a few weeks for, for the preview episode don't worry and, and then lastly, I just wanted to mention the, the points in the Discord as well. Uh, so joint wooden spoon with five points is Owen and Michael Leeds Faithful. D- scoring seven points despite clearly trying to lose is Whale Ruddy. Um, there's a variety of other people on a variety of scores. Uh, tied with me for ten points, uh, Adele and Alfie. So shouts to them. And the joint winners on the Discord, and clearly the people who should really be on this podcast, with 11 points, uh, Dan Egan and Warrelode. Well done, so guys. Well done to them. If you come to the meetup, you'll get absolutely nothing. And we will stop there. I've enjoyed having you back, Darren, and it's always a pleasure to see you, Jacob, apart from, apart from you being really smug about winning again. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll stop that. We'll stop that next year. Um, thank you all. To, oh, thank you to all the listeners for sticking with us through the season because I guess it's been a pretty difficult season for Leeds but we've tried our best to keep it enjoyable for you and try and analyse whatever rubbish is on the pitch at um, at Ellen Road or elsewhere but uh, for now I will say thank you to Jacob Oh, thank you thank you to Darren it's been lovely to see you again I hope we can get you back one more time goodbye forever that's that's yeah (laughs) see you again Um, I'll see you on the 15th of July though if you're about chaps it'd be lovely to catch up with you both I mean you know if if you're desperate for for someone to come and talk nonsense on the podcast give me a shout we'll see Um, yeah thank you to everyone for listening and we'll see you soon bye